Greg Harton, editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Welcome to Speaking of Arkansas. Here's a question for you. Have you responded to the United States Census yet? A lot of Arkansans haven't. In mid-April, the U.S. Census Bureau reported less than half of the state's households had responded to the census, which comes around every 10 years. Advocates for local governments, nonprofit groups, and others have devoted a lot of time and energy to making sure people are counted. Why is that? Because a lot of federal funding over the next decade depends on knowing how many people live in our towns, our counties, and our state. It's important, folks, and it's easy. If you haven't completed the census, I'll put a link in the notes accompanying this podcast uh, so that you can go and provide information uh, to the Census Bureau. Uh, it's very important for this region, and uh, it uh, uh, just takes a few minutes, really. Um, but today's show is not about the census, but it does have a lot to do with how many people are in northwest Arkansas and really more importantly to today's subject, how many will be in the future. Just a couple of weeks ago, the Northwest Arkansas planners projected this region will have one million residents by 2045, and that's just 25 years from now. Today, Benton and Washington counties alone account for about 531,000 people. So that kind of growth brings with it all sorts of challenges. Where will all those people find housing? Will the region's population of automobiles continue to grow? And will the congestion continue to get worse? Will we keep building highways um, or expanding cities? Will people choose to live with more density and move to transportation models that include mass transit? Or will we have autonomous vehicles driving around without drivers in them? And then there's today's subject. Does all that growth further destroy a lot of the natural settings that so many of us love about Northwest Arkansas today? The Northwest Arkansas Land Trust is a nonprofit organization that works to uh, raise money and to work with uh, landowners to protect natural properties through conservation easements or land donations. Recently, I had the opportunity to talk with Terry Lane the organization's executive director about the growing pressures to develop land and what that means for the future. Here's that interview. Terry Lane, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, first, give me kind of an overview of the status or condition of land conservation in Northwest Arkansas, kind of what you see as you do your job um, and, and, and kind of a lay of the land, I guess, mm-hmm. if you would. If you would. Sure. Well, uh, so the land trust, we we technically service 13 counties in the northwest part of the state. When we say northwest Arkansas, we're kind of talking about Benton and Washington County. So I know people have different definitions of what they call northwest Arkansas. Um, For us, Benton and Washington County are core focus areas. And the reason for that is um, they're experiencing the highest demand for urban development. So the most at threat. And... So that's kind of the context of my answer to your question is uh, land is going very quickly. It's being consumed at at an astronomical rate. There's a calculation of nine acres a day that's being lost to development. Um, 
And, you know, what comes with that, of course, is the threat to our water quality, to our scenic value, to our local farmland, local food supply, wildlife habitat. Um, and it's not that growth is a bad thing. It's um, how we grow. So that's really kind of, you know, what the land trust is all about is we bring the conservation side of smart growth and try to encourage um, paying attention to and understanding what we should set aside at the same time that we're looking at what we're going to build and that the two need to go hand in hand. But, you know, the, the lay of the land is we're losing a lot of acreage, acreage really quickly. And, you know, I've been at this eight years and I feel like the same conversation has kind of been had for a long time of how to implement smart growth and, um, you know, how we're going to go about setting aside what we need to set aside to protect our quality of life as we grow. As you say, um, use the term, you know, land lost to development. A lot of people in Northwest Arkansas don't think of it as loss. Sure. Uh, you know, that so much of, of what we hear and see is about the, the benefits of growth and, and uh, uh, how are we, how are we, to balance that uh, in the long term, because so often it becomes this sort of us versus them type right. of uh, type of approach. And is there is there a way around that? Right. Yeah. And they really do have to work hand in hand. So I think you know it's important for people to understand that we have built amenities, and those are critical for our quality of life. So as you're talking about, they don't consider it loss because we're gaining so much. And we are with, you know, museums and restaurants and um, housing and, you know, all of that. But that, that we just on par with that need to understand that we have those built amenities and we also have natural amenities. And connecting the dots for people of what do those places that we're not developing provide us um, clean water, clean drinking water, clean air, um, climate resiliency, there, you know, the list goes on and on, local food, even, you know, so it makes economic sense. And so that's kind of, I think, the paradigm shift that needs to happen is understanding that this is, it, this is smart economic practice. Um, it's not just you know, the tree hugger thing that, um, right. you know, it's, it's smart growth and it makes economic sense. And so that the question that you just posed, how do we balance those? I mean, that's, that's the question. That's what's, um, so tricky to figure out. So what are the attitudes that you run across, um, out there, uh, generally favorable to what you're attempting to do or, um, Arkansas is definitely a private property rights sort of mm -hmm. state, uh, stronger depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, what kind of attitudes do you run across out there? You know, um, overwhelmingly positive. I think that people understand everybody values, and we're in such a polarized time right now. And one thing about conservation, it's not red or blue or, or anything. It's people value what's special about Northwest Arkansas and especially those who've been here for a long time or they moved here because it was, you know, such a pretty place and, and had such a high quality of life that people understand that conservation is important. Um, so we, we overwhelmingly hear very positive comments across the board. 
Um, as far as the property rights goes, you know, we do make sure to make the point that, you know, our work at the land trust is voluntary. There's no taking of anyone's land. Um, and in fact, we work with a lot of private landowners who want to see their land kept whole beyond their time. You know, they love their land. They maybe are going to pass it on to their children. Um, they want to give back to the community. And so we work with a lot of those private landowners who make the decision to permanently protect their property. And in doing so, it's a great benefit to us and future generations. Uh, give me a couple of examples of, of when you talk about conserved land, are there a couple of examples that people will be familiar with to, uh, that, that gives them a fairly good idea of what, what we're talking about? Yeah, yes. And I think this is a good point, too, to to make one point about public benefit. Uh, sometimes people, oftentimes people think land conservation is for public access. And so that's that's kind of their definition of, and that's usually the types of projects that they know because they're the places that they go. So a perfect example of that is Kessler Mountain Reserve in Fayetteville. Um, you know, 384 acres is left natural, has trails on it for people to hike and bird watch and trail run and bike. Everybody probably knows of Kessler Mountain. That was a big win for the region. Um, the land trust holds a conservation easement on that property. The city owns it so that it's for sure permanently protected. Uh, but there are a lot of places that people don't know of that are also providing them public benefit. Those are places like um, you know, 200 acres on the Illinois River that has prime farm soils and, you know, a big section of the river running through it. That's a private landowner who put that land into a conservation easement. In doing so, they're helping water quality, wildlife, um, you know, there and there are lots of examples of those, um, certainly in the Beaver Lake watershed. That's the drinking source for most northwest Arkansans. And uh, part of the watershed protection strategy is that we need to protect the rivers that the tributaries that feed into that lake. We need to protect forest. And um, so we, we do a lot of partnering for that. So a lot of the places that we have permanently protected, people don't know of, but they're along those tributaries and protecting their drinking water. The um, I, I agree, people, including myself, I, th I tend to think of it as a public access issue. Right. Um, uh, you guys recently, uh, is it Frog Bayou, um, down by the Bobby Hopper Tunnel? Oh, that property is um, actually called Rotten Bluff Rot Hollow. That, there mm -hmm. you go. Yeah. Um, uh, people will know that just in terms of coming out of the tunnel when you're northbound right. and, and you just see this great swath of, of natural area. Um, you guys... Uh, worked with the property owner uh, to put that into a conservation easement, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's open for everybody to go to. Exactly, yeah, and that's a real obvious example uh, that people would know just by place. Um, that scenic viewshed, as you come north on 49, is so important, and that's a scenic byway. It's designated as one of the scenic byways in Arkansas. And what people don't know is that thousands of acres along that byway are not protected from development. There is no guarantee that that view is going to stay natural if we don't do something about it. Uh, there is Ozark National Forest off to the east and west of the highway in the distance, but there's a lot of land that's privately held. And 
um, already being spotted by prospectors for future development. Um, so that property that you mentioned, Rotten Bluff Hollow, it's 720 acres. It was actually on the market. And it happens to encompass also one of the few large overpasses where wildlife can move from one side of the highway to the other. You know, there's that gorge and that's Blackburn Creek that runs underneath. Um, so for us, that rose as a high priority area because not only is it the benefit of the scenic view, the gateway to our region, but wildlife connectivity under the highway, keeping that connected. And so uh, we were starting to fundraise, to, to try to fundraise to purchase the property. And the donors that we ended up speaking with said, hey, we love this property. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. It's so important. We'll buy it and put a conservation easement on it. So it was a real win-win because it enables the land trust then to move on to another property um, without having to fundraise, you know, sure. for three years for that one. So it really did work out in a neat way on that property. So how do you guys become aware of properties that that um, are, are either under threat or uh, in, in some of the cases uh, beyond the urban landscape, you know, are are there and may not be under threat, so to speak, yeah. but but I guess now is the time to, to preserve them. Exactly, yeah. So it happens in a few different ways. Um, the first is that the land trust, we have a strategic land conservation plan that we're, we, we look at the region, we look on a landscape scale at what are the most important target areas for us to focus our attention. And so, you know, in doing that, we avoid just protecting a property here and one over there and one over there, which what you end up with in that case, it's haphazard conservation and you have green islands. Well, green islands don't hold their conservation value in the long term. Connectivity is critical. And so it's critical for wildlife movement, for water quality, for scenic. So um, so we, we do a lot of parcel by parcel GIS data layer analysis to figure out what those most important areas are. And we reach out to those landowners. We, we look and we say, hey, we want you to know that we're here. And if you're interested in working with us, we'd love to protect your property. At the same time, we're paying attention if any of those properties come on the market like this one did. Um, the other way that it happens is that landowners hear about us, like you were saying, some that might be off in a different area. Um, that happened in Marion County. We protected 900 acres on Bull Shoals Lake. That's just an Ozark gem, just pristine, lots of habitat there, a little farmland. Um, those landowners heard about us, came to us, and wanted to, to protect their property, and we put a conservation easement on it. So it's part, you know, focused strategy and part opportunistic. The example of the uh Sorry, Rotten Hollow. Rotten Bluff Hollow. Rotten Bluff Hollow. <laughs> uh, that example, if if the easement had existed prior to development of I-49, would it have prevented I-49 from being developed? That's a good question. No. Um, so conservation easements are perpetual. They stay with the land. So the landowner can still sell the property. They can pass it on to their heirs. But the restrictions in that conservation easement are permanent. There's one thing that can undo that and that's eminent domain 
Now, it does put a hurdle, another hurdle in the way of eminent domain, so the highway may decide that rather than going through the process of bisecting the 700-acre conservation easement, they might shift over and avoid it. Right. Um, it so. seems like it would it would create a, a new political scenario sure. for, for the highway department or the state government to, uh, to get over in terms of the, the kind of the uh, perspective of, you know, we're going straight through a conservation area. area. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, some people, I think, wonder if conserving land is really that big an issue. I mean, I mean, literally in, you know, 10 minutes, I can be out in the middle of what seems like nowhere in a forested area. We've got just millions and millions of acres. Arkansas is not, by any stretch, an urbanized state. Um, why should people feel like this is critical right now? Yeah, it is interesting. We, we we do hear people say, gosh, everywhere I look, it's green. What's the what's the urgency? And then we have people who say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I've seen Northwest Arkansas change so much. It's changing so fast. Um, we got to do something now, you know, and uh, we fall in that camp. I grew up here. It has changed a lot. Um, so I think that, you know, the fact that we can get to green space pretty quickly right now in natural areas is part of the high quality of life that we have, and it's part of what we're trying to maintain. Northwest Arkansas is one of the fastest, I think the fastest growing area in the central United States, um, gaining 32 new residents a day. So it's exponential, um, the, the growth that we're experiencing, and there's no guarantee that we're going to have that nearby nature in the future. Uh, the other thing I would say that is, you know, within the if you look at the projected urban growth map, it for at first it was spreading north and south along I-49 from Bella Vista Bentonville, you know, down to Fayetteville. That all filled in. That's all pretty much fill, filled in now. Now it's starting to spread out, you know, east and west. And even, you know, within that area, there's there's important places that need to be protected so that we maintain tree canopy in our urban area, so that we um, maintain wildlife connectivity through the region. That we, you know, there's lots of the tributaries to our drinking water that run through that urban area. Uh, that we protect those areas for our drinking water. So, it is important now and in the future. Uh, most of the time, uh, you know, we cover government here at the at the newspaper um uh, cover the communities and most of the time when conservation comes up it's it's in that clash between urban development and conservation um and and the way we see that is you know there's a there's a piece of property in that's in one of the cities uh uh it its landowner it sat there it almost becomes kind of this uh it's not a public piece of property, but the public has kind of a, a an attachment to it. Right. And then the landowner, for whatever reason, decides to sell. Uh, a developer buys it. And then all of a sudden, it's battle. Uh, right. You know, the, 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 the neighbors, they when they discover that, it's... Um, it's, you know, appealing to local government officials, appealing to anybody they can to, to save whatever it is, whatever piece of property that is. And the, 
And then, you know, the, the developer generally gets cast as kind of a bad actor. Um, and, and you just see this, I mean, upheaval. Right. Within, uh, and I'll use the example of Markham Hill here in Fayetteville. I mean, a, a, uh, a really prime piece of property, beautiful piece of property uh, that uh, uh, a, a development group has purchased has gotten approval for for uh, uh, kind of commercial and and residential development has set aside some land uh, for conservation I think um, and uh, yep you know there's definitely a group out there that's that's working hard to try to um, convince them and convince others that that the whole property ought to be rescued more or less from the hands of a developer um, so how? How are we doing in terms of those sorts of scenarios? It, it, so often we people come to their local government and they want their government to essentially, you know, buy this property from a developer or to to rescue it somehow. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, most governments don't have just millions and millions of dollars right. laying around for to create conservation uh, easements. Um, so how does that usually play out? How do you see that play out, right. especially in those urban kind of conflicts? Yeah, and there are examples of that, like you said, happening throughout the region. Um, this really gets at where I see a gap, having done this for eight years, that you know cities really need to decide proactively what's important in their township uh, what they're going to protect. And then once they decide that, they need to have in, t- in place the process, the incentives, not just the, you know, the carrots and the sticks, but, you know, the, the ordinances or the zoning, whatever it is, um, and the incentives for those places to be protected within their communities. It's really hard when you get into a reactive state. Um, the property, a private own- landowner owned it, they sold it, the person who bought it, is going through the established channels uh, at their city to to get the approvals to develop it. So my first response is it needs to be more more proactive. And we see this in lots of cities that have some sort of green infrastructure goals or enduring green network goals. But then when the rubber meets the road, they don't have in place the process to actually implement that. And that's happening within different communities and cities, and it's happening regionally as well. So um, I don't think the answer is one size fits all, but I do, I do see that there's a real need for the communities in our region to sit down and look and say, you know, what are we going to set aside and how are we going to do that? And then, you know, open up their books and say, do we have the process in place to, to make that happen? You know, just like you said, limited resources um, after the fact, it's really difficult. I think in Arkansas, the, the next question, it almost begs this question, are we talking about cities acquiring those properties or are we talking about cities putting up controls that that limit what some people can do with their private property? Right. Yeah, it's a tough question. Um, you know, Fayetteville sometimes gets dinged for having their hillside protection ordinance and tree ordinance and stream ordinance. Um, but a lot of people love living in this community, you know, because, because of that preservation that's taking place. So I think each community needs to 
have that hard conversation and figure that out. But, um, you know, the unpopular answer and in, in, to some people anyway, is that I think you do need to have some, you have to have some set aside rules or we're going to lose a lot of our natural value. Uh, in terms of commercial development, you, you do have uh, uh, these properties that, uh, like you're talking about, I think what you're talking about, which is, you know, we're going to develop this portion of it, but we're going to set aside that portion of it. Does that, does that achieve enough? I think in some cases it does. Um, and, you know, back to the, it's a complex issue. You know, cities are struggling with the need for housing with uh, infill goals at the same time they're trying to you know, set stuff aside that, especially that the community really wants set aside. And so um, we call it a win-win and try to spend a lot of time reaching out to developers and planners and say, you know, there, there is, we don't have to do everything status quo. We can think out of the box a little bit. So if you've got a development proposal or you're a developer and you have a piece of property, uh, what part of that, how can you work with that land? And, you know, is there a creek through it? Is there a, a patch of forest? Is there a prairie remnant? How can you cluster maybe the development that you were going to do and do some conservation subdivision type planning or thinking and keep the connectivity, um, protect the creek, whatever it is. And this also goes to another point that I'm always trying to make is about broadening the lens. I think that we get stuck looking at you know, a particular development proposal as if it's confined within those property boundaries. And really, we need to broaden the lens and look and say, this property is part of, you know, is it part of a connected greenway? If so, can we, can we maintain that connectivity and still develop part of the property? And maybe the project is going to be even more valuable because of it. You know, people love living next to protected green space. Um, so I just think there is a little bit of a out-of-the-box thinking, and we can achieve some of those win-wins for conservation and development. Um, is, is Fayetteville kind of a cre creature unto itself in terms <laughs> of this? It seems like uh, there are lots of examples in Fayetteville of where these conflicts happen or where these, uh, like the Centennial Park uh, mm -hmm. out on uh, Millsap Mountain, mm -hmm. which is um, uh, was... Uh, I guess you'd call it conserved. It's being developed into a, a, a bike park, bike park uh -huh. uh, of sorts, but on the mountain, sure. in in a natural setting. Do you consider consider that preservation or conservation? It's a certain level of conservation. Um, you know, what's not going to happen is it, it's it's not well. It's going to stay, I should say, a green hillside and that view you know so there's different conservation values on different properties that I think have to be taken into consideration that property people see it as they enter and go through our community you see it from I-49 it's one of the pretty green hills that frame our community and it'll stay that way it's not going to have a tall apartment building on top of it or rooftops all over you know so in that sense it it is preserved yes and you know, how dense the public access is or the trails are can impact wildlife. And so, you know, there's kind of different levels of preservation, but it's it's definitely a win for the community. Uh, there are, are conserved areas that um, 
especially when public entities like a city government or county or, or state get involved, that um, I struggle with the idea of setting aside public land to not be accessed by the public. Mm. Um, you know, that, that to, a, to a point, you, you need people to be able to experience um, conserved areas, natural areas, uh, uh, you know, and to me, setting it aside like that, if it's a private piece of property, I completely understand, but yeah. a public piece of property, it, it seems like there ought to be some active human use of that and some enjoyment of that. Uh, do you? How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I understand that point. I think each property it needs to be considered for what is it that it's highest conservation value is and what is the proposed use and how would that proposed use impact that conservation value. So it kind of goes back to, you know, the public gets benefit from land being set aside, whether they step foot on it or not, in a lot of cases, but we definitely need places where people can step foot, you know. So it comes down to you know, is it, is the proposed public use, um, how impactful is it is, or it, it, will it be, or can it be designed in a way that it's not as impactful? You know, are there certain species there that we're trying to protect or, um, you know, that, th- those types of considerations I think are important. Are there lands that the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust have been involved in that, that has that human element to it? Yeah, that have public access. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And we call them ambassador properties. So as you're saying, there needs to be places that people can get out and experience the land, learn to love the land. Um, And our philosophy is we, we want community conservation. We want to serve the whole community. And so not everybody wants to recreate in the same way and not every property is suitable for the same type of recreation. And so a good example is Wilson Springs Preserve, which is 121 acres. It's right in the middle of Fayetteville. It's behind Sam's Club. Uh, The land trust has owned that property since 2011. It's a wetland, so it's providing tremendous public benefit through water filtration, stormwater flooding mitigation, also very rich in wildlife as a lot of wetlands most wetlands are and last year we um, opened it up to the public with walking trails and people just absolutely have loved it because it's a it's a different experience it's um, a different type of ecosystem to experience it's low impact walking trails that they can come you know with their family and there's a lot of bird watching wildflowers Um, so Yes, we look for opportunities on properties that we own that we can make available to the public and especially in a way that they aren't already being served in the immediate area. The uh, what, what What is the legal landscape in Arkansas for conservation? Um, uh, as I mentioned, you know, Arkansas is generally considered a property rights kind of state. Um, uh, do you guys find yourself running up against the legal uh, landscape as far as what you uh, want to accomplish? Um, not really. We have enabling legislation for conservation easements. Um, and in fact, there are uh, federal tax incentives in place for conservation easements. And we have some state tax credits. So there are incentives, actually legal incentives, for people to 
permanently protect their land. And that's very important. And we are always uh, watching that and um, any changes that may be occurring to that or threats to that. Um, we're certainly paying attention to that. But but no, there, ha- there aren't any legal barriers to, to our type of work right now. What are some of the... Uh, other organizations out there that, uh, uh, you know, you've, you've got, you know, whether it's Audubon or Nature Conservancy, the, these various groups that I think it's fairly easy to get confused about um, <laughs> who's doing what and why we need so many groups that are sort of focused on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, help me to understand that. Yeah, great question. Um, I would say there are, there are niches and we all work together. All of those organizations work together. One of the great things about Northwest Arkansas is the partnerships that exist for conservation, whether it's a watershed protection group like um, Illinois River Watershed Partnership or Beaver Watershed Alliance. We work with them. Um, As far as land holding, land conserving agencies or organizations, the Nature Conservancy has a focus on uh, certain species, certain types of habitats, especially around aquatic and karst. Um, And one of the reasons that the land trust actually was founded was to help fill a niche. So uh, one of our founding board members is the associate state director of the Nature Conservancy because they would get approached from by landowners who had land that definitely was worthy of conservation, but it didn't fit within the, the strategic emphasis of the Nature Conservancy, and they didn't have anyone to kind of pass them on to. So so we fill that niche. Um, then there's Arkansas Natural Heritage Commission. A lot of people know of them. They conserve a lot of land in the state. Um, up here, people might know about Devil's Eyebrow. That's been a big project that they've been involved in. Uh, they are a state agency, and so a private landowner that wants to conserve their property with them uh, does have to allow public access. And so that can be a, a barrier for people um, working with them. In fact, the 900 acres in Marion County that we protected came to us through Arkansas Natural Heritage Commission. Um, and so we work together in that way, kind of passing projects back and forth to each other, or in some cases, partnering on a project to um, you know, fill all those different sort of roles and needs for conservation in our region. What do you consider the, um, I guess what you would call the, the conservation victories in Northwest Arkansas? Uh, think about that. Conservation victories. Um, I think there have been some some large wins. I mean, Kessler Mountain certainly comes to mind um, in Fayetteville. Uh, Devil's Eyebrow is a really large property that has a lot of important habitat that's on Beaver Lake. Um, has been a win. Um, you know, we have a good state park system as well, Hobbs State Park. Um, so I, I feel like we have these, you know, well, in Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, there's Weddington Wildlife Management Area. That's 15,000 acres, I believe. So we've got these pockets of conservation, large areas that are that are really important. Our challenge now is keeping those connected, having some sort of connectivity and kind of uh, filling in those gaps before it's too late. So conversely, what do you consider some of the most threatened areas? Uh, We've lost a lot of prairie. People don't 
understand how much a part of our natural here history prairies were um i don't can't remember the exact statistic but a very tiny fraction of the prairies that we had in northwest arkansas um, still exist and that's because flatlands are the most easy to develop so they go the quickest um we've also we also have some serious challenges around water some of our streams are extremely degraded. Uh, we have not done a good job protecting our riparian areas, uh, being the strips of natural areas along our waterways. Uh, there are, particularly in the Illinois River watershed, there are some tributaries that, um, well, in, in both watersheds, Beaver Lake watershed certainly as well, there are areas where land, you know, acres of land are falling into the creeks and river every year. And as flooding gets worse, it, that gets worse, and there are houses on the brink of going into the creeks in some in some places in our in our region. So we've really got to do more. And now again, we're in that reactive mode. We're trying to put back those riparians. We're spending millions of dollars restoring river um, edges and and streams. And so we need to to do more there. That's that's a real problem. Tell me a little bit more about Northwest Arkansas Land Trust. Uh, the um, it's a nonprofit. Uh, you've been there for eight years. Yes. Uh, uh, help me to understand kind of who who started that. Uh, how do you fund yourself? Uh, uh, help people to understand what we're talking about when we say Northwest Arkansas Land Trust. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we were founded in two thousand three by a group of. Um, community leaders who at that time saw the big boon in, in uh, growth of our region and recognized that we needed to have some way to identify and protect natural areas. And they were a mix of um, actually development professionals and some attorneys and nature conservancy folks that uh, got together and kicked it off um, in 2003. We have grown quite a lot since then. We have seven staff now, and um, we are a nonprofit. Just like all nonprofits, we are reliant on community support for our funding, and that comes from a variety of sources. We write grants. We have some foundation support. Um, we have a lot of individual donors and are always working to build that base, and, uh, you know, people who, who give $20, you know, all the way up, uh, way beyond um, to support our mission and our work. And then we have corporate, some corporate sponsors. Um, so it's really a mix of support that's important. Um, right now we're in a campaign. We're about two years into a three-year campaign that we're calling our Land for Life campaign. And through that, we've been um, trying to raise $2.8 million and conserve 5,000 more acres of land. Uh, we're well on our way. Um, so as a land trust, we're one of, I think there's about 1,100 around the country land trusts. We're a member of the Land Trust Alliance, which is the national kind of support organization. They're based in D.C. And uh, like all land trusts around the country, we just strive to um, work with anybody that we can work with in our regions to conserve land. The, uh, I think on your website, it, it talks about um, your partners being groups like the Nature Conservancy, the Land Trust Alliance, Game and Fish, 
the Walton Family Foundation, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Beaver Watershed Alliance. Does that mean they're helping to fund Northwest Arkansas uh, Land Trust, or or is that just we're working with them? Yeah, uh, in some cases there is some funding partnerships in place. Um, in a lot of cases, it's we partner with them uh, to get different projects done. So um, it's not always direct funding to us. Uh, we do get some funding through Partnership for Water Quality with Beaver Water District. They've been uh, really important to um, partner for us and us for them because it is so important to conserve land to protect our drinking water supply. So, you know, that's an example of uh, some funding comes to us to help get uh, land conserved that's important to them to protect drinking water. So lastly, let's talk about just the, the individual resident of Northwest Arkansas and, and they're sitting there and they've, they've enjoyed a view for years, but they don't own it. Uh, or they've, they just have seen a piece of property that they've really appreciated being natural and they've got concerns about it, um, or, or they know that it's targeted for development. Um, as a resident, how, what steps do they even, can they take uh, mm-hmm. to try to make a difference there? Yeah, um, it's a case-by-case thing, but I think it starts with talking to the, to the current landowner and expressing their feelings about this being important uh, to them and kind of seeing where they're at. Sometimes landowners of properties like that don't know that they have options for conservation and that, you know, they could maybe put that property into a conservation easement and have a, have a tax deduction from it. Uh, sometimes the math works out for people where that's an incentive uh, to get it protected. Um, otherwise, you know, if, <laughs> if it's on the market, then those neighbors are going to probably need to get together and purchase it. And that happens sometimes, you know, the other conversation to have is with their city planning and try to find out is there, um, you know, what is in place? What are the priorities of the city from a planning perspective for this viewshed? And um, just try to start having as many conversations as they can before, you know, it's changed hands already. Yeah, that's that's hard to do. Yeah. When when yeah. you when you've lived by it for fifty years, yeah. never had an issue with it. It's hard to kind of anticipate when a developer mm-hmm. has his eye on it or or something like that. In your experience, is is it um, once it's sold to a developer, is it pretty much a, a done deal and and it's really too late to do anything about that? Yeah, pretty much. Except that you know we um, there are developers who will incorporate conservation into into what they're doing. Um, so I think it's important to understand that, um, you know, you can't have conservation-minded developers or, or who can understand that um, it would be a win-win for them as well if they incorporate some conservation into, into their planning. So uh, there can still be a positive outcome or a more positive outcome than maybe there was going to be. So what else do our listeners need to know before we uh, sign off? Uh, You know, the only other thing we haven't talked about that I did want to mention is the Northwest Arkansas Open Space Plan, that that does exist and that uh, it's a really critical resource for everything that we're talking about here. 
um, and they can go, uh, they can Google it, Northwest Arkansas Open Space Plan, and, and see the plan. But uh, that was a really comprehensive effort by a lot of different community stakeholders to create a map that lays out, you know, it's a model to go by of where are the most important areas to protect in Benton and Washington County. So it's a two-county kind of master plan for conservation. And within it, there's um, each city, every community, no matter how small, has a page that zooms in on their part of this regional plan. And I just think it's really important that we take that regional approach and that regional view and find ways in our communities to adopt that and for each community to kind of do their part to preserve what they can within it. Um, so, you know, there's a tool sitting there that is ready for implementation. We just need all hands on deck to do so. And who, where does that plan reside? Uh, who, who, who owns that plan more or less? Yeah, it's, um, it was put together by the Northwest Arkansas Regional Planning Commission. And, um, with, like I said, there was a, a there's been a long standing group of stakeholders that have been participating participating and involved from the beginning and helping guide, uh, getting it created, and then it was adopted by the Planning Commission. So that that technical part of it was done. At this point, um, it is sort of owned, I guess you would say, by a coalition, which is open to anybody who's interested in being part of it, Northwest Arkansas Open Space Coalition. And the land trust actually are coordinating that coalition. So uh, generally speaking, we meet monthly. Um, we kind of try to move our meetings around the region a little bit, but we meet monthly and we talk about, um, you know, what are some wins coming up? What are some areas that are um, potential projects? Who are some partners that could help get that done? And then we're always trying to promote the different communities, elected officials to um, help us make sure that that gets implemented. We will include some links uh, with this podcast in the notes to this podcast. Um, and uh, Terry Lane of the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust, we really appreciate uh, your time today and uh, good luck on uh, your work out there. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Terry Lane of the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust for that great interview. In the short time since we recorded it, so much has happened with regard to COVID-19 and its impact on our daily lives. The Land Trust has had to make huge changes in its largest annual fundraising event. Its annual Land for Life Gala will go virtual in May as a special Facebook group and a week-long series of posts, information, raffles, auction items, and funds. So check that out on Facebook in May if you get a chance. Today, perhaps more than ever, a lot of folks in Northwest Arkansas are loving our natural spaces. People have become reacquainted with outdoor activities as we adjust to this uh, pandemic that we're going through. The work of the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust is focused on that day in and day out. Check them out if you'd like more information. That's it for now. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Speaking of Arkansas. I'm your host, Greg Harton, saying see ya until next time. Thank mm-hmm. you.